Welcome to the Nutrigenomic Nation podcast with Brian Highfield, certified nutritionist, author, speaker, and founder of multiple successful companies in the health world. Brian is known for educating healthcare professionals and others on improving their health and their life through breakthroughs in nutrition, technology, and biochemistry. On the podcast, Brian interviews thought leaders in the world of nutrition and natural health. He and his guests share the secrets of a whole life natural approach to health and the life-altering results you can get by making easy changes to your diet and daily routine. Well, welcome to another episode of Nutridomic Nation, where we talk about your genetic health. And so today we have a special guest. We have Dr. Guillermo Ruiz, who is a naturopathic doctor. He has a deep love for botanical medicine and has presented nationally and internationally on that topic. And we'll be digging into uh, a lot of his background and also maybe even some of his current research that is going on. But welcome to the, the program, Dr. Ruiz. How's it going, man? You know, so nice uh, to be here with you and, you know, uh, spreading some information, some love. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're, we're very happy to, to have you. But uh, my first question for you is what I ask every guest on this program is what made you want to become a naturopathic doctor? You know, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. You know, I, I it's one of those things, you know, in, in uh, just uh, saw my uh my niece uh, last night, she she fell in, uh, on the trampoline and broke her elbow. <laughs> and as, as soon as she got home after the emergency department, you know, she was playing with one of those uh, plastic stethoscopes, you know, and that, that was me, you know, that, uh, you know, I had a plastic stethoscope. I always wanted to be the doctor. And uh, I always had this, you know, I, I, that clarity, you know, I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, uh, you know, son of immigrant parents, uh, you know, I took the long way around the education system and, um, I was, you know, at some point in, in my career, I was at a level one trauma center for kids, you know, I, I was an EMT, uh, just to always be immersed in that world of health. And that's when I realized that, yeah, I still wanted to become a doctor, but the current system of medicine that we have is broken. You know, we, we, li we, we use a system of sick care where, you know, you have this, here's your medication. You have this, here's your medication, you know, you know, a revolving door. Now, not saying that modern medicine is bad. You know, like I said, my niece broke her elbow yes, last night, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> you know, and she'll probably, you know, uh, you know, have some sort of intervention where we, you know, where we fix her bone, you know, uh, it, you know, there's a possibility of, of um, surgery uh, and that, you know, lifestyle meditation and, you know, good food choices are not going to fix that broken elbow, you know? So, you know, we shine in this emergency type of, of, um, of healthcare system when we need something repaired, but you cannot repair a metabolism with medication. You cannot repair um, your circadian rhythm by just taking another pill. You cannot repair um, depression and anxiety just by giving you an antidepressant, you know? And, and that's where the melding of the ancestral, you know, the, the evolutionary physiology and trying to reconnect to where we, where we were and modern medicine mesh, 
you know, and, and I was like, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like this doctor where if you needed a little bit of a supplement, you know, I could recommend a supplement. If you needed a medication, I could give you a medication. If you need an x-ray, I could order an x-ray. Everything, you know, trying to remove the underlying obstacle to health. So I was listening to podcasts, you know, reading blogs and uh, Chris Kresser uh, mentioned naturopath. I was like, oh, what's that? So I started re- looking into it and reading into it. And sure enough, that's exactly what I wanted, you know. So I, I say that the naturopathic profession found me not the other way around. Awesome. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Because we talk a lot about this program, about um, just taking more of a proactive approach about your, your health. And you're right. We're, we're very good at emergency care. We're very good at diagnosing specific disease and, and prescribing something. But with an asterisk. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, with, with all those, <laughs> with all those side effects. Right. Um, but you know, we're not, we're not good as a society of taking care of ourselves and, and preventing that emergency room or that doctor's visit in the first place. Yeah. in, in you know, in a dream scenario and, and talking to, you know, I still have, uh, uh, friends in the emergency department. I have nurses and, you know, and I, I know orthopedic surgeons and I know x-ray, you know, people and, and in, in a perfect world, the emergency room would be four trauma base, you know, and maybe three or four beds, you know, uh, in case, you know, because accidents happen, you know, some, you know, a kid can be right now you're in, uh, in Florida and in, in Ohio. So football, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get overheated, you know, it's not like a life or death situation. If it, you know, if it's controlled properly and that kid might have to go from the field to an emergency department where they, he gets hydration. You know, and and uh, unfortunately, you know, your primary physician is not going to have bags of saline or you know things like that. So yeah, we need a couple of you know kids have boo boos and 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 people can get sick overnight or whatever. But it is incredible that at points we would see two hundred patients in a day. You know, for oh, you know, I have a cold and 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 and. My friends, you know, my doctor's friends in the emergency department, they don't want to, they didn't do that training to, to do this primary care, you know, but, but the system is so broken that that's what we have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I know one of your specialties is, is around thyroid health. Yeah. And so for our audience who may not even know, uh, what, what do the thyroid glands do? Why are they important? And, and how can we keep them healthy? Or what are some, some naturopathic ways um, to really help our thyroids operate the way they should. Well, and that's where I, where I said, you know, uh, we're, when, you, when you mentioned that we're really good at diagnosing, and that's why I said with an asterisk, mm. because we are really good at diagnose, uh, diagnosing once it gets too late. You know, in uh, health is a continuum. It's not an on-off switch. You know, so let me ask, answer your question. What is the thyroid? The thyroid is this little butterfly gland that we have right here, you know, around our neck. And it produces thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone is a very powerful hormone that touches every single cell in your body. You know, it goes, actually, it goes into the nucleus of the cell and it tells the cell to start making proteins. And then those proteins either burn fat, make hair, you name it. It is, it, it, it's basically the catalyst 
for your metabolism. And, you know, it, it, Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune thyroid disease is the number one autoimmune disease in the United States. Uh, it affects women predominantly. And the worst thing is that a lot of women go undiagnosed. And why? Because the reference range for thyroid uh, function is huge. You know, so if you were to pull up your labs and you look at the, you know, at, at, at your TSH, that's how we measure, you know, the activity of your thyroid, you would see that it is, uh, the reference range is 0 0.45 to 4.5, a tenfold difference. So you mean to tell me that if a person comes into your office and they are at a 0.46, okay, and then a second person comes in and they are at a 4.49. Now it's uh, for anyone that doesn't know, you know, the way that we measure, uh, measure it is through a secondary mechanism. It's called uh, the thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. TSH is produced in the brain and it's like a thermostat that tells the thyroid to either work harder or, you know, or slow down. The higher the TSH number is, the more the thermostat is noticing that you need more thyroid hormone. So if you, and, and, and it's very difficult to, you know, peg the diagnosis because the symptoms of thyroid disease are so vague, you know, for example, do you have fatigue? <laughs> and what does that mean? Uh, are you having trouble with sleep? Are you always feeling sleepy? Do you have hoarseness in your voice? Do you feel like you have something stuck in your throat? Uh, are you gaining weight? Do you feel cold? You know, and, and there's like 50 different symptoms that can arise from thyroid disease. And it, it, there is not one pattern uh, um, uh, mnemonic symptom, meaning that this is it. This is it. This is the symptom that tells me that you have thyroid disease. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of women go to the doctor because they're tired, you know, uh, because they they are gaining weight, you know, they're doing exactly the same that they were doing uh, last year and they put in 20, they put on 20 pounds. Um, and, and doctors are so overwhelmed, they run a thyroid check and they miss it because of that huge reference range on that paper. So, uh, so you know, what I do in, in my training, uh, first as a naturopathic doctor, uh, you know, uh, using all those methods of diagnosing, you know, actually listening to my patients, actually not having a five-minute visit, um, and then putting together this puzzle in conjunction with looking at your thyroid levels in a functional way, you know, uh, and, and uh, in my eyes, the optimal levels for thyroid are between 0 0.5 and 1.0, not 0.45 and 4.5, you know, so it's a, a narrower range. Mm -hmm. And then fixing that problem, you know, whether it's with supplementation, with lifestyle, with nutrition, and then, um, and then if that fatigue's still there, if that weight gain's still there, then, you know, getting the thyroid under control and then moving on. You know, not not doubling down because you're not a thyroid with legs. You know, and, and and making sure we're approaching this in a holistic way. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and, and another thing, I I I was fascinated about uh, something you're doing is a lot of your your current research, uh, specifically on multi drug resistant bacteria and viruses. 
Yeah. So that's, that's their, you know, that's their, everybody's, that's where their brain is right now with, with the pandemic and everything. Um, and you're using botanicals and other natural compounds. Um, how does that work? Tell us, tell us some of the, some of the fascinating things that you've discovered through your research. You know, it's pretty cool because, uh, you know, we, we, we dunk a lot on modern medicine about, you know, giving a pill for this and a pill for that and a mm-hmm. pill for this, you know, but even in the, in the functional medicine world, we also think that way. Oh, you have, you know, you have diabetes, you know, uh, here's some berberine, you know, instead of metformin. Oh, you have, you know, uh, you, you have a headache. Don't take aspirin, take willow bark. And, and, you know, willow bark is actually the, the plant where we make aspirin from, you know? So, so we are just kind of like sanitizing, you know, the, the medication, making it less potent by going a little bit closer to the source and giving the, uh, you know, in the functional medicine world, world, giving a the patient a, a different type of pill without taking care of the underlying disease. Okay. So when I was in medical school, someone said, oh, you know, the cool thing about plants is that when you use them as antimicrobials, it won't create resistance like antibiotics. And, you know, I, I kind of scratched my head and I, and I went up to my, my uh, uh, principal investigator, Dr. Jeffrey Lang, and I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and, and we started making, basically recreating the studies uh, of creating resistant bacteria with antibiotics and substituting those antibiotics with botanicals. And sure enough, you know, bacteria became resistant to botanicals. And most importantly, by learning that resistance, they were also, they also became resistant to antibiotics, Hmm. which is alarming because how many people do you know that maybe walk around with, you know, with a glass of water and they put a couple of drops of oregano oil or peppermint oil or whatever. Well, those are antimicrobials. You wouldn't walk around with a pitcher of water with some uh, penicillin you know, drinking low dose penicillin throughout the day, because that's, you know, you wouldn't do that, you know, but, but many, many people out there are doing that, but since it's natural, it's okay. So, so, you know, and I don't want to sound like, you know, like I don't use antimicrobials or I don't use antibiotics. I do, but we have to be very, very responsible in the way we do it specifically because a lot of the supplements that we take are filled with other different types of uh, herbs just to make them look better. You know, uh, countless times, you know, you look like a uh, an, like an adrenal support um, uh, the supplement and it'll have, you know, licorice and, and then they'll put in a little bit of like, I don't know, uh, curcumin or berberines or, you know, and yeah, you know, it can help in some aspects, but it all, it's also an antimicrobial. So we need to be very, very careful. Funny enough, um, when we, when we started this, you know, um, I, I kind of like started doing a lot of experiments with bacteria, but my, my, uh, uh, my boss, you know, at the time he, he, he is part of a virology, um, uh, you know, scientific institution at the, uh, Arizona state university. And 
we started doing the same stuff that we were doing, that I was doing on the side, you know, at a very, uh, at a very small scale with bacteria. We started doing some of that stuff with viruses at a much larger scale. And we're always interested in finding things that kill viruses. Okay. Um, and we were able to replicate some of that stuff with viruses. So, so it's, it's a two point, you know, it's, it's, it's a two point approach, you know, uh, can we identify plants that can be good anti antivirals? And then two, how, you know, we have to be careful because we talk a lot about uh, uh, our gut microbiota, but there's like a, there is a viral ecosystem that lives in our gut that we shouldn't mess with either. Um, there's a, there's a uh, presentation, you know, that I did at the Ancestral Health Symposium, I think 2017, you know, and one of the viruses that we have been testing these plants against has been, since 2017, has been the coronavirus family. Yeah. Uh, so we, it was in our radar, you know, that we needed to start stockpiling information about what are some good botanicals to stop this uh, this type of uh, viral infection? Yeah, and what I've seen is is you know there's so many different types of viruses out there, and they all behave a little bit different. And and some of them are pretty clever. Some of them actually know how to disable some of our own immune system um, uh, components inside the cell and so on, so that they can. Uh, proliferate a little bit more inside the cell. And it's just, it's just fascinating, the variety of viruses, uh, how we can come up with different approaches for each type. And, and that's where, you know, it, 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 cancer research, viral research, and, uh, and bacterial research are so important. You know, for example, when we were testing um, botanicals against bacteria, okay, we we were using um, you know high doses of different types of plant materials, and then um, you just expose the same bacteria to the same botanical you know, and you kill like ninety percent, and then you save ten percent that ten percent that survived, and you grow it again, and then you expose it, and then you grow it, and you expose it, up until a hundred percent becomes resistant to that botanical. So then you go and look for actual antibiotics and see which antibiotics don't work anymore. And now you can make an extrapolation that the mechanism of action of that specific plant is, you know, maybe it destroys the cell membrane or maybe it goes into the nucleus and destroys, you know, the DNA mechanism of the bacteria. Okay. So now we can make better botanical tinctures by selecting different mechanisms of action of the plant, which is, and, and you know, which is how uh, anti-cancer cocktails work. Because cancer behaves a lot like bacteria where it grows exponentially faster than the other cells around, you know, the, the cancer. So when it starts growing really, really, really fast, what do we do? We, we, get, we kill it, you know, and it, it's going to absorb that, you know, poison faster than the healthy cells because it's reproducing faster. The problem is that because there's so many, so much growth, there are random mutations and then the cancer becomes uh, 
uh, uh, you know, overcomes, you know, the mechanism of action of that cancer drug, and then you have to change cancer. So the newer research in cancer is creating cocktails with dif different mechanisms of action to kill the cancer, to prevent the, uh, the cancer from becoming resistant, okay? So if we can do that with plants on bacteria, we can study this same um, plants to see if there's applications against cancer. And then, and then in the middle is that there are some viruses that do uh, cause cancer. They cause mutations that, you know, like for example, HPV, human mm -hmm. uh, papilloma virus. So by learning all of this, you know, we can in theory say if this plant kills the virus, you know, what is the mechanism of action? Can we apply it to cancer cells that have that mechanism of activity? And, and we can kind of undo reverse engineer natural ways of fighting cancer viruses and bacteria. So it's, it's, it's just fascinating. And, you know, I don't want to get you banned or anything, but, you know, we, we have found plants against the virus. I mean, I'll leave it like that, you know, you know, uh, and we work with a lot of viruses, but we have found plants that, that affect the virus. Who else is doing research like this? Are you the only one out there or is, or, cause I don't, I don't feel that any pharmaceuticals out there are, are studying, um, to this extent, anyway, some of these botanicals and natural compounds. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 we started this conversation with how much we like science, you know, and, uh -huh. and, and how in and, and how we, we should, you know, learn, take the best from science and apply it. And um, pharmaceutical companies have been doing this for a very long time in a different way. Like, for example, let's say you have a pharmaceutical company that has a catalog of 200 drugs, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like, for example... Uh, did you know that Pepto-Bismol has activity against tuberculosis? <laughs> and, and how did they find that out? Well, it's basically like this. You have this big catalog and you're like, okay, all this oldies, can we, can we recycle them in a different way? So then we have all these models where, you know, you have like tuberculosis, cancer, ulcers, blah, 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 blah. And then they take all of their old, you know, medications and then they try it against things that are not related to see if they work. And when they work, then now we can rebrand that old drug, put a new patent on it and, and make millions and billions of dollars. So we're basically doing the same, you know, we basically have a really big library of traditional plants that our grandmas used to use. You know, so like, for example, when the, when the Zika virus was huge, mm -hmm. you know, um, we knew that Zika was, uh, is, uh, related to the virus that causes, uh, the yellow fever and dengue, you know? So basically we went to the traditional things that were used for dengue and, and made the assumption, Hey, if this works for dengue, they are related, you know, close enough, it should work for Zika. And sure enough, it happened. It worked. So, and in, in, in not every plant has that one-to-one, -one, you know, where it works, but that's why we do high-throughput testing, you know. So we have, you know, 200 plants, okay? We have, you know, a new emergent virus, a new emergent bacteria, 
okay? And we try all 200 in like a low and high dose, you know? If it doesn't do anything at high dose, move on. This plant is not going to work for this. If it works, if it works at a high dose, but not a lot low dose, that's going to be your second tier. And if it works at a low dose, that's going to be your banger, you know? And then once we identify five or six plants that are working against this virus, bacteria, or cancer at a low dose, then we start figuring out the mechanism of action because we don't want to use combinations of plants with the same mechanism of action. You know, like for example, let's say um, uh, membrane attachment. You know, so if the virus uses, uh, you know, uh, spike protein to enter into the membrane and plant A blocks that, you know, plant B, maybe we don't want to add another one because then the virus is going to have two chances of mutating and becoming resistant. Mm -hmm. So maybe we want to do a membrane, uh, membrane attachment or we can do, uh, you know, a gyrase inhibitor or, you know, or different ways of killing that virus, bacteria or cancer. Awesome. Well, I, I feel like we could talk about this all day, but unfortunately we're, we're almost out of time. But my last question for you is, is how can our audience connect with you or, or get in touch with you or just follow what you're up to? Well, you know, I'm uh, super busy with my with my practice right now. You know, I do have a podcast, the 3030 Health Podcast, and you can get it wherever podcasts are available. Um, you can follow, follow me on Instagram or on uh, Facebook at 3030strong, 3030strong. And, uh, and yeah, you know, and at Go Health uh, is the name of my practice. And we're always talking about, you know, I, I'm in my practice, I'm more focused on, on the thyroid story and endocrinology. So if you guys have any questions, I'm constantly putting cool little things there. Uh, and you can follow at a, at ATGO health at go health. Awesome. All right. So thank you so much, Dr. Ruiz. So our guest today has been Dr. Guillermo Ruiz, who is a naturopathic doctor. And uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. And we hope you join us next time when we'll talk about another topic related to your good health. Thank you so much, Dr. Ruiz. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.